What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the TSK Show. I am your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. I am joined by my co-host, the one and only Mr. 360, Tyler Pacholke, and of course, co-host, producer extraordinaire, Jacob Gonzalez. Before we start the show, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you decide to listen to the TSK Show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And follow all of us as well at the Duke of Sports, at Tyler Pacholke, and at Jacob Double Underscore Gonzalez. On this episode of the TSK Show, Jacob and I hold it down while Tyler unfortunately could not make it this week. But it's an all hoops episode tonight. We're recapping everything that went down at All Star Weekend in Chicago. Jacob and I are going to discuss some of the moves made on the buyout market now that the dust has settled a bit. And also, John Beeline has stepped down as the head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers. To close the show, I got four different lineups of five, and I want to see which one Jacob thinks is the best out of the four. All right, let's start the show. What's going on, Jacob? How you doing, man? Good, man. How are you doing? You know, it's Wednesday, hump day, middle of the week, just grinding it out, trying to make it to the weekend, you know? Oh, tell me about it. I really wish the weekend was here already. I know it's been a long week for you, bud, but we're almost there. It's almost the weekend. You got any big plans this weekend? Mm, I had something in mind. I forgot what it was. Honestly, no. I think I'm just working, staying home. You're, you're not doing nothing? No. All right. Yeah. It's my sister's birthday tomorrow. So oh, so you got something to do. Yeah, she's doing. we're doing dinner as a family tomorrow. And then... Not on the weekend, though? She's doing dinner tomorrow with the family. And then s- Friday with the friends... And then I think we're doing brunch Saturday or Sunday with the grandparents. So oh, damn, so she gets three days. Yeah, my, I mean, my sister's the princess. It's 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 usually with girls because that's how my sister is. Her birthday was last Tuesday, and uh, same thing. She was still expecting a gift for me again this weekend when I saw her, even though I'd got her a gift already, and took her to lunch. I didn't get my sister. Oh well, looks. <laughs> Looks like I know what you're doing after the show. Uh, yeah, we'll see if anything's still open. I might be able to just get something tomorrow during the day while she's at work. You can go gift card. That's usually a safe bet. Oh, yeah, I'll probably get her like a Sephora gift card or something, but I don't think the people want to hear about that anymore. <laughs> Let's move right along, jump right into it. This is the TSK Show. I'm your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. I'm joined by my co-host slash producer, Jacob Gonzalez. Uh, unfortunately, our other co-host, Tyler Pachulki, could not make it tonight, but we're going to get right to it. It is an all-hoops episode, like I said in the intro. All-Star Weekend this weekend. I don't think there are games until regular season-wise until tomorrow. Yep. Oh, I thought it wasn't until Thursday. That makes it even... Which, yeah, tomorrow is Thursday. Oh, wow. Hello. Yeah. I just said it was Wednesday at the top. Wow. And you asked me what I'm doing for this weekend, too, for plans. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're probably going to be watching a lot of basketball then since we oh, haven't, yeah. haven't gotta, had any... Got to catch up on it. Haven't had any real games in a week, but all right. no football. Baseball is barely starting up. All you have right now is basketball, so you might as well just dive in. 
Yeah, and listen, All-Star Weekend was very exciting, in my opinion. It, it, it was in, re- in um, compared to recent years, it was. I will say that, yeah. And I think like the competitiveness, competitiveness that was brought, especially in the All-Star game, was really was really cool to see. Yeah, so we'll get to Sunday night in a little bit. Let's start off with Friday night with the Rising Stars game. No celebrity game? No. <laughs> I know Team Wilbon won. All, all I have to comment on that, did you see Stephen A. Smith get a first, tech? First technical in the NBA <laughs> yeah. celebrity game history. <laughs> Which he was bound to get one regardless. Come and on. listen, Stephen A. would be the one to get the first tech in celebrity game history. If so they have to control it, him on fitting. TV, come on, then they have to control him on the court. Yeah. But, all right. Rising Stars game, Team USA versus Team World. Team USA ended up winning 151 to 131. The MVP, which we didn't predict a winner for, I realized in my note gathering for yes. this episode. Yeah, from last week, too. Yeah, we ended up not predicting anybody, but I probably would have went with Zion or Jaw prediction-wise, but it didn't. See, I would have went with Luka, though. That that's just would have that, that would have been my pick. Okay, but it, I feel like he didn't have like that great of a game either. He and I don't even think he ended up playing that many minutes because he ended up having to play on Sunday, obviously. Because yeah. so those guys, they don't want to overexert themselves. Yeah. So the Rising Stars MVP ended up being Miles Bridges, the small forward from the Charlotte Hornets, and Team USA was down at halftime, but at halftime in the locker room, Miles Bridges tweeted out a picture of like a meme. Where, you know, if, like, you're playing video games against your boy and you start losing and, like, you kind of, like, sit forward in your chair oh, and yeah. get all serious. Especially, like, in 2K. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You're already 2K getting your Madden. ass handed to you and yeah. you're like, all right, all right, I got to get closer to the screen. Right, so you, you sit a little bit closer. Yeah. So he posted a picture meme of, like, that motion of, like, a guy, like, holding a controller and, like, sitting and leaning forward at halftime of the game when Team USA was down. And he ends up winning... Rising Stars game MVP. MVP. It's funny because it's always one of those guys you don't think really like they could win the MVP in that game. Well, I think it was last year it was Boban, right? Or, or Bog- no, no, Bogdan Bogdanovich. Yeah, Bogdanovich Kings. was. See, I didn't think he was going to win that with all the stars that he was playing with that night. Yeah, and Kuzma had a great game and was probably. Same thing. He would have been. The, well, he was the runner up, I believe. But yeah, I would have never thought it was uh, Bogdan. Yeah, but Bridges had a few spectacular dunks in the second half especially. And, I mean, I don't know. Did you see the one he threw off the backboard? Oh, jeez. Threw threw it off the backboard, grabs it one-handed, and just yams it. So, But, see, that's what you want to see from this. It's not, again, it's not the all-star game, but it's just the next generation up. Well, the last two minutes turned into a dunk fest, but everyone kept missing. Like, literally, (laughs) the last minute and a half, Zahn... Uh, Zah. I keep saying Zah. You're combining, I, yeah, combining both of their names into one person. Zion Williamson and John Morant. Literally, the uh, team world just left the lane open, and they were going back and forth every possession trying to do a crazy dunk, but they just kept missing. It was really disappointing. Well, you got to pay your dues, right? I mean, they're, they're going to keep missing in their first uh, – I think it's a lot of it. It's nerves, too. You know, that's like one of their first competitions that they're at. Yeah, and Zion's you know. only played like nine, ten regular yeah, season games. Yeah, he's still fresh. So if he's missing, I guess it's okay for him because, you know, he still has to get his uh, his feet underneath him too. Yeah. Now, Luca and Trey did play in the game. Like we said, they obviously got to play in Sunday, the main event game for All-Star Weekend. But there was a pretty cool moment where Luca hit a half-court 
Yeah, uh, that was I think it was four. a yeah, yeah. I think it was a buzzer beater even for a quarter or halftime, mm. and it was right in Trey's face, and they both kind of like looked back at the shot at the same time, and it was kind of a cool viral moment that yeah, they and had. They, and they both had the same reaction. Yeah, and it's just one of those things where that's going to link them together the rest of their careers. Like that moment is going to be cemented like their first like All Star weekend together. Yeah, which is funny because they're always going to be intertwined. For sure. And not even like what you just said right now, but they were traded for each other on draft night. Yeah, that no, that's that's basically what that's, I'm saying. Yeah, is, that's that's the key component in it is that that would have never existed that moment had they not been traded for each other. So whatever their careers end up becoming at the end of it, when it's all said and done, they're still going to have that intermingled uh, like path, basically. Yeah, and I honestly, I mean, I don't think I've seen players – that have been linked together like this in a while, honestly, since Magic and Bird, because they both came in the same time, and they're kind of what resurrected the league and that rivalry that they had. Luke and Trey is not really much of a, a rivalry. Yeah, I wouldn't say that, but especially because of this day and age in the NBA and what we see with opposing play or see between opposing players in the off season and all of that. But I mean, Luca and Trey, I think think are just as intertwined and are going to be like that as magic and bird were i think a large part of it too is that you had a lot of doubts from both of them one luca was an international player and that's always hard to scout sometimes you can find really good international luca had so many doubters and he yeah he did now trey did too trey had a lot of hype in college but as he as he declared for the draft there was a lot of people saying he's too small to play point guard he's not a traditional point guard he's basically an undersized stephen curry but look at him now in his second year. Yeah. So I think that's why they're very comparable because they had a lot of doubt coming into the league. Yeah, but it's been great to see. Oh, so far, it's, they both played very well. Yeah, it's been great to see what they've been able to do in the league in such a short amount of time at such a young age. And it only brings hope for the future to see what they will do in the future. Yeah, and for each of their franchises, too, they are the cornerstone pieces. Oh, 100%. They are building no around Luca. They are building around Trey. Yeah, I mean, Atlanta is doing everything they possibly can. Yeah, right now they, they have a big, you know, in Collins, and they've acquired a, another backup big. But now they're, in, now, it, yeah, now they're getting players to surround him with, uh, you know, a couple slashers, a couple defenders, but they're building around these guys. And then in Dallas, you kind of have a similar scenario where, you're, where you have Luca and Kristaps, Porzingis. Exactly. So you maybe have like the what if if they would have left Nash and um, and Navinsky together for a longer time, which Mark Cuban said initially that he wishes he would have kept them together for a longer period. So he has a second shot with Luca and Kristaps for sure. But I mean, listen, the Rising Stars game, it's always fun to see the future of the NBA. And I, I do like how it is now Team USA versus Team World. But I'd be interested to see how it would go. If back. they were to go back to rookies versus sophomores. Which I personally like that better just because if the rookies would win, they would have more to gloat about than if the sophomores won. Yeah, exactly. It was it was bragging rights between exactly. draft classes. It's like it's like high school basically. It's like, all right, well, we have senior privileges, but you guys are freshmen, you guys can't leave campus for whatever. This is the same thing. If the sophomores won, they can be like, All right, you guys have to wait another year. Yeah. Then you guys can win. Yeah, there was always those uh, occurrences in high school basketball where the the varsity team would scrimmage the JV exactly. team. But you, but as the JV team, you wanted to prove that you could maybe belong on that varsity team for sure. And that's what it was with the dynamic of sophomores and rookies. 
Now, the Team USA, Team World is cool, and especially this is the only reason why they have it because now there's so much international players. See, I think eventually the All-Star game on Sunday night is going to turn into Team USA versus Team World. Yeah, I could see that happening because a lot of these guys are all international. I mean, listen, you you could probably find 12 All-Stars that are international players. Well, now. I can think of four already on the on the team. Well, I mean, but if you look at the roster for this year, how many international players were there? Probably about six, seven. You got Rudy Gobert, you got... Uh, Pascal Siakam, Joel Embiid, Giannis. Jokic. Simmons, Jokic, Sabonis. Oh, I forgot about Sabonis and Simmons. Simmons, technically Australian. Yeah, he is, yep. Um, Sabonis, Luca. That's eight. That's eight already. So, yeah, I can see it being eventually yeah. Team World, Team USA for Sunday. But it, it's kind of cool that they that they did it for this because there is a lot of youth international players but I do agree. I would honestly want to see it go back to rookie, like rookie sophomores eventually at some point. Yeah. All right. Moving right along to Saturday night now. We had the skills challenge, the three-point contest, and the dunk contest. It's the main event. Yeah. I mean, usually uh, Saturday night in past years has been more entertaining than Sunday night. Well, especially because a lot of – NBA players who are not playing either in the All-Star game that weekend or whatever, they're not participating. Um, even if they're not part of the whole weekend, they still go. A lot of these people go. We have a lot of celebrities that go. Oh, you always see what it looks like courtside or on the sideline during All-Star Saturday night, and it is a star-studded five-star event. Yeah, just imagine how much those seats are. But <laughs> Oh, I can't even imagine. Only Let's just put it this way. if Only if you're a celebrity could you afford that. You're anybody else, there's no way in hell you're sitting that close to them. Eh, if you're a hedge fund manager, you could probably... Well, maybe, yeah, you can maybe sneak in. But all right, let's talk about the actual contest, the skills challenge. I believe we both had the same prediction for winners, mm-hmm. uh, Pascal Siakam yep. of the Toronto Raptors. He made it to the second round, but <laughs> round one goes like this. You had Bam Adebayo of the Heat winning over Spencer Dinwiddie. Obviously, the skills contest, it's a race, yeah. uh, obstacle course kind of deal that the players have to compete in. So Bam Adebayo beat Spencer Dinwiddie. Pascal Siakam beat Patrick Beverly, which was great to see because Patrick Beverly made a fool of himself. I have no idea why he was in the skills Thank competition. God, yeah. I just wanted to see him lose. This is this is no personal vendetta against him, but I don't think he belonged in that skills challenge. <laughs> And then we had Chris Middleton beating Shea Gilgis-Alexander. And then DeMontis Sabonis beat the reigning champ, Jason Tatum, yeah. in an early upset of the first round. I'm surprised at his game, especially that he was an all-star this year. So, I mean, I give him credit. but It's that European finesse, man. And his dad, too. Well, his dad was, his dad his, was a behemoth, though. His dad's a legend. Yeah. But, all right, round two, the semifinals ended up being Bam Adebayo over Pascal Siakam. And then DeMontis Sabonis was able to edge out Chris Middleton, setting up a final between first-time All-Stars, Bam Adebayo and DeMontis Sabonis, which I was not expecting that final whatsoever. No, I really thought it was going to be Siakam. Yeah, I was expecting... You always choose the point guard because you think that's what they should have in their arsenal. Well, and Siakam's not even a point guard, but he's that point-forward type player. 
But I was expecting a final between like Siakam and Jason Tatum or Siakam and Shea Gilgis Alexander kind of thing. We got completely the opposite. Yeah, we got Bam Adebayo versus Demontis Sabonis. I never and, knew Bam had that in his game, dude. You basically the end of the the skills contest. You have to hit a three pointer. Bam <laughs> Adebayo's made one three pointer this season, and he was able to hit the three pointer in the skills contest to beat Demontis Sabonis, win the skills competition. It was the first skills challenge. Uh, winner from the Heat since Dwayne Wade in 2007, and then that 2007 Skills Challenge is arguably the best lineup. Yeah, I remember for that Skills one too. Challenge. It was Kobe, LeBron, Chris Paul, and Dwayne Wade in the Skills Challenge that year. That's when it only had like a small minimum uh, cast of like four, right? Yeah, they it was have, only four. Yeah, they didn't have guys. a lot of people. Now they have what, like six, eight? It was eight. Yeah, Eight this year. they've increased it because, yeah, now they want to give other players a chance. Yeah, so, I mean, it was cool to see Bam Adebayo represent for the bigs. And listen, it's that's what the- I'm saying. I didn't know he had that. Right there, the comment you said about his three, I would have never expected him to hit that. Yeah, no, I mean, one three all year, but that's the future of the big in the NBA is this. Yeah, the traditional big is gone. It's pr- it's crazy to see, and I was listening, it, I was listening to – Shaq on the latest Knuckleheads podcast with Quentin Richardson and Darius Miles. And Shaq was saying he doesn't understand why bigs like him aren't prominent in the league anymore. He just doesn't get it. It's the game that's evolving. Especially, I don't, I don't want to get off track, but I just want to make this comment. When Dirk came in the league, people had never seen anything like him before. A seven-footer who could shoot? Yeah. It's like you should be in the paint most of the time if you're seven feet dominating within the paint. But well, and th- that was the thing is Dirk would get killed when he would get get into the paint, and he had to muscle up and really exactly yeah. mature and get physical because and- he was skinny. But same thing now; it's like a lot of these guys. If you're not a stretch four, a stretch five, you serve almost zero purpose in this league now. Yeah, they're obsolete. But but yeah, I don't know. But you were saying yeah, the the, the bigs now like Bam Bam plays power forward and center, but like. Again, I would have never thought he had like some of the skill set, but it's just yeah, the involvement. You see him all over the court doing a lot of stuff for the Heat. So it was it was cool to see him win the skills challenge, I think ultimately, even though he proved me wrong in my prediction. Hey, maybe that three was lucky though at the end. No, I mean it could have been. He won all the matchups he was in, so he he hit three threes that night. <laughs> all right, so maybe it wasn't luck. He just <laughs> needed a little bit of a consistency to get him uh, going. Yeah. So all right, the three point contest. My ultimate prediction. I think mine, so mine was the winner. I will say that. So when this person won, I was like, oh, hell yeah. This is the one that I predicted. You predicted Buddy Heal? Yeah. I said he was my dark horse candidate to win. I don't remember. Wow. Okay. Go All pull right. that from last week's episode. <laughs> no, you're, that's your job, producer, okay. man. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll pull that. <laughs> um, but anyway, so originally my pick was Damian Lillard. But then it was announced live that you got when you got the breaking news that he wasn't going to compete in any events at All Star Weekend. And we said, I think you said too that Booker should be his replacement. Well, I said Booker should replace him in the All Star game, and then ultimately he ended up replacing him in the All Star game and the three point contest. But when the news dropped that Damian Lillard wasn't going to be in the three point contest, I changed my prediction to Trey Young, and Trey Young ended up going first and getting I. Th- believe the lowest score out of anybody in the first round it's weird the people who you would think this is how i've always chosen winners for the three-point contest the people who you think are like the most elite and great off the dribble 
from beyond the three-point um, line, those are the ones who are usually going to go first. Yeah. And Except for Curry and Thompson. But that's just because they're flat-out great shooters. Well, I mean, I listen, I think Trey Young is on his way to being or could be as great of a shooter one day as a Steph Curry or a Klay Thompson. But ultimately in the three-point contest, it's so different taking the ball off the rack than, like, catching it or taking it off the dribble. Yeah. So it was it was interesting to see how players adjusted to that. And then also you had the addition of the two other shots from further away that counted for more points. But ultimately, a player you thought wasn't going to have a good performance. They do. Yeah, he had mm-hmm. the highest of anybody that didn't advance. Zach Levine, host of the weekend, Chicago Bulls. I don't understand why he was in it, though. Maybe because of his percentage, but... As far well, as and he was also being petty about not doing the dunk contest. Well, that's his own fault. Well, he didn't advance past the first round, so I was okay with it. <laughs> yeah. But he, he got 23 points. And then in the opening rounds to lead all players, Devin Booker and Buddy Heald both had 27. And then Davis Bertans of the Wizards had 26. That was the final round. Yeah, that guy's a sniper, though, too. Yeah. You got to watch out for him. Yeah, so the final round was Devin Booker, Buddy Heald, and Davis Bertans. Booker ends up eliminating Bertans in the championship round by scoring 26 points after Bertans had only 22. But then Heald went last, and he had to make the last money ball, and he did. on At the buzzer, too. Yeah, at the buzzer to beat Booker by one point. And he became the first Kings player to win the three-point contest since Peja Stoyakovich. Yeah, I was about to say, since Peja. Yeah, Peja did it in 2003. Hey, if you're part of that elite group as far as shooters, like with Peja, I mean, you're in, you're in a good cast. Yeah, and listen, Buddy Heel just got a big contract this offseason. He's had a, kind of an up-and-down season because of playing time. We don't really know what's going on. Well, that's not his fault. It's the organization's fault, though. Yeah, I would put that on Luke, mm-hmm. really. But, I'm glad he won. I've always liked him since Oklahoma. Yeah, and he was stoked. Yeah, when he won, yeah. like, it's funny because when he won and I saw him win and he was jumping around and celebrating, it was complete opposite of uh, when Larry Bird won it a couple times. When he just, like, he just shot it, he just walked off the court, gave, like, a good shrug, and yeah. basically that was it. But, it, like, it just shows you the excitement that he didn't think he was going to be there and win it, but it was cool to see him win. Yeah, Buddy was was stoked to win it, so it was it was cool to see. But all right, now I think everybody wants to hear our opinions on what happened in the dunk contest, so we'll kind of go through it round by round. I told you who was going to be. This one is another one. I didn't predict the winner, but... But you did predict the finals. But I did predict the finals. I already knew these... That white guy, I didn't even know he was white. That white guy from... You didn't know Pat Connaughton was white? I had no idea. Oh, man. All right. I don't watch a lot of Bucks games. That's fair. Yeah. No, nobody watches a lot of Bucks games. I mean, they should, honestly. Eh. They are the best team in the league. Yeah, but they're not fun to watch. Giannis is fun to watch, but the rest of the team isn't. Sometimes the best fundamentally sound basketball is boring. That's why the Spurs, people don't like watching the Spurs. Because they take mid-range jumpers. All right. Back to the dunk contest. My prediction, I was kind of going homer. Oh, yeah, you wanted Howard to go all the way. Yeah, I wanted Dwight to win it. He was making his return. He had one good dunk. I thought they were both pretty cool. Um but we'll get to it in a second. The judges for this, I want to preface real quick, were three-time NBA champ Dwayne Wade, two-time WA, 
WNBA MVP Candace Parker, Black Panther star Chadwick Boseman, rapper from Chicago Common, and then obviously Hall of Fame Bulls player Scottie Pippen. So the first round, we had three, we had four fifties. Aaron Gordon went fifty fifty in his two dunks. Derek Jones went forty six fifty. Pat Connaughton went forty five fifty, and then Dwight was the first dunk to uh, dunker to go, and he went forty one and forty nine. His first dunk was a three sixty where he froze for a little bit. Yeah, it looked a lot better in slow mo and yeah, on the see, replay. It was cool. I like see that's the only one that I really liked by him. And then his second dunk was his Kobe tribute, and it was actually the one Kobe was supposed to help him out with. He ended up having his former teammate, Jameer Nelson, help him out, giving him his Superman cape. And then he took off the jersey and had uh, the Superman logo and a 24 across the S on his chest. So it was a cool little tribute. And then Jameer threw the ball over the backboard, and he did his patented Superman dunk, uh, jump from as far out as he possibly could kind of thing. It just wasn't as impressive as the first time he did it. But I, I, I give him the props that he did the whole tribute, though. That was actually kind of cool. Yeah. I thought, honestly, he was actually going to wear Kobe's jersey and do some— He was wearing his shoes. Yeah, he was wearing he his shoes. Yeah, he wasn't wearing the jersey. I thought he was going to—yeah, I thought he was going to wear a Kobe jersey and maybe do, like, a East Bay between the legs tribute because that's what Kobe did in his dunk contest in 97. But ultimately, it wasn't a bad showing by Dwight, but it could have been better in my opinion. Yeah, he could have improved a little bit, like on his dunks, at least from the first one, because you really have to show out. And he's a showman, what we said last week, but like, I think just the quality of dunks, they just weren't enough for what Gordon and uh, Derek Jones were doing. Because what they were doing was a lot better compared to like Pat Connaughton. Like, <laughs> he didn't really do much. Um, but I will say this, though. He didn't have like the quality that I we, we got before when he was back in the dunk contest. I think it was against Nate Robinson. Um, but I did like some of his dunks. I will agree with you. He did could have done better, uh, but by far the best one was the 360. Like, yeah. Now, Pat Connaughton was the second dunker to go, and he went 45-50. He came out for his first dunk in the Woody Harrelson, uh, Billy Hoyle outfit. Yeah. Uh, white men can't jump. See, that's how that's how you win. A yeah, dunk the show the showmanship was cool. Yeah, so. I liked the creativity. And then he brought out Milwaukee Brewers center fielder Christian Yelich, and he did a dunk over Christian Yelich where Yelich held the ball over his head or whatever. So that was it was cool. Got him a 45. But then his second dunk, he brought out his teammate Giannis, and Giannis held the ball over his head, and Pat jumped over him, similar to how he jumped over Yelich, but... When Pat grabbed the ball, he tapped it off the backboard and then and dunked, then, yeah, then and dunked then it. dunked it in. So that one, similar to the Dwight uh, three sixty, it looked cooler in the replay a second time when you saw it because you didn't, you couldn't really tell he tapped it off the backboard the first time in real time. Yeah, so it looked cooler in the replay, and they gave him a fifty for that. And then obviously jumping over Giannis, that's a pretty crazy. Feet yeah, he's already do. almost seven feet, basically. Yeah, six ten, six eleven. But a lot of these dunks too, like you're saying about the replay, it's like they look a lot cooler and uh, they even look flashier when you slow them down because when they happen so fast, the crowd can't see it. You know, it's happening so quick, 
So like, especially with the Dwight one, where he like froze for a little bit and then and threw he it like down, froze in midair and some, like smiled at the judges and then and turned then around. He... Yeah. So with same thing with the the the, ba- um, the backboard tap too. It's like you don't really see it at first, and then once they replay it on the jumbotron, you're like, oh damn, like that's that's what he did. Yeah. And over a seven footer. So then Derek jo- Derek Jones Jr. He went forty six fifty. His first dunk was a forty six where he. Jumped over Bam Adebayo from pretty far out and kind of windmilled it, but he did push off Bam's shoulder when he jumped over him. And the judges always, not even the judges too, it's the TNT crew though. It's usually Kenny Smith. A lot of, everybody said he's, something about it. But Kenny's usually the the advocator. He's like, oh, he's like, you use shoulder. Right, and listen, the judges definitely took that into consideration yeah. and only gave him a 46, but... Well, he cheated. I mean, he that guy has straight up hops, but if he can... If he can't clear Bam or who, who did? Yeah, he jumped over Bam, right? Yeah, yeah. If he can't clear him, then I, maybe he shouldn't be in the dunk contest. Well, hold, I mean, come listen, on, come on. His second dunk was it was a, 50. <laughs> was a lot better. His second dunk was a, a reverse three sixty East Bay between the legs. Mm-hmm. That was fucking sick. And then Aaron Gordon started off the night with two fifties back to back. His first dunk a one eighty reverse East Bay two hand finish. It looked pretty cool. Uh, looked very similar to Derrick Jones Jr. reverse 360, but um, Aaron Gordon obviously went 180. Derrick yeah. Jones Jr. did 360. But Aaron Gordon had the two-hand finish, which I liked because he, he kind of threw it down with some authority. And then his second dunk, he brought out Chance the Rapper, and then he kind of jumped over Chance and like in midair turned around and dunked it facing forward so he was looking at the rim. Yeah, when he dunked it, so that was that was kind of cool. Which again, that's another good showman piece because Chance is from Chicago, so you bring out somebody who's a native and yeah, get the crowd into it. It get really them adds up. to it. Yeah, this is not just like what you can do dunking wise and like how hard you can do it. How, no, it's how a you can show. Jump. It's a show. Hundred percent, it's a show. So all right, that meant that the final round was going to be Derrick Jones Jr. versus Aaron Gordon because they got the highest accumulated score. Man, they both got. Two fifties each in the final round. Derek Jones Jr. His first dunk was a between the legs over two people. He jumped over two people with the second guy holding the ball, and he took the ball between his legs and as he jumped over the two guys and flushed it. Uh, I think it took him two tries though. Which judges take that into account? How many tries you can get it down on? Yeah, but the degree of difficulty he it was, was still, insane. Yeah, yeah, he was still able to get a fifty even on the second try. But then his second dunk was even cooler. He just jumped over one person, but that one guy threw it off the backboard. Derek Jones Jr. grabbed it, threw it between the legs as he jumped over the guy and dunked it. So that was well deserving of a fifty. Aaron Gordon. Similar dunk, his first dunk over Chance again, um, but he did some sort of twist in the air again. Yeah, he just he switched it up a little bit. Yeah, it was very similar to his first dunk over Chance, and I kind of was giving him kind some crap on Twitter, and I was like, yo, if you're going to jump over someone as short as Chance, at least do something cool after. Derrick Jones Jr. was going, over, going between the legs yeah. over someone taller than Chance, so I was like, Aaron Gordon Jr. needs to be going between the legs over Chance because Chance is, Chance is maybe, what, like 5'5", five, 5'6"? Five, five, he's yeah, pretty he, short. Yeah, he's not very tall. But his second dunk in the final was that cradle 360 off the side of the backboard that I think is probably one of the best dunks of all time in any dunk contest. 
And especially when you put that thing in slow motion and you oh, see him yeah. do the 360 and the way he cradles it. Oof. I'm just Oof. see the reason why I'm having a hard time explaining right now. It's the end result is what kind of pissed me off. Right. So the, that's what the end. That's what happened. Yeah. Obviously, because Derek Jones Jr. and Aaron Gordon both got two fifties each in the final round, they had to go to a dunk off. Both of them got fifties on their first dunks. Derek Jones Jr.'s first dunk was an East Bay between the legs off the side of the backboard, which was cool. But we've seen it before. But that's it's, a 50. it's hard. There's been so many dunk contests. You've really got to get creative now. But that's a 50 dunk. Yeah. So then Aaron Gordon, or Aaron Gordon, I think, went first. And he does what I said he should have done originally, but he obviously saved it for when he needed it, was an East Bay between the legs jumping over Chance the Rapper. So that was cool. Yeah. That was a great dunk. Then Derrick Jones Jr. does the East Bay off the side of the backboard. Then Derrick Jones Jr., his second dunk was a free throw line windmill where he was running. And he's and he's got out. the length for it too. He's got the length, yeah. but his foot was like a whole foot inside the line. He's not he's not Dominique, he's not Jordan. Not Zach Levine, because Zach, oh, Levine, Zach did Levine flew easily when he did it. Zach Levine did an in between the legs from the free throw line. I think uh, Brent Barry had one of them too. He he got Brent it. Barry just did a regular yeah. from the free throw line, but yeah, he got it too. So then Aaron Gordon, well, Derrick Jones Jr. was given a forty-eight on the free throw line windmill because his foot was inside the line. Whatever. Aaron Gordon needs. A 49 or better. Yeah, or 50. Yeah, 49 or 50. Only two options. I couldn't give him that. (laughs) He brought out Taco Fall for the Boston Celtics, who is 7 foot 5. And it was great watching, like, the whole crowd, like, try and convince Taco because Taco didn't want to do it. He was embarrassed, That's but his, like, it's his rookie year. Yeah, but all the all the he was in like that crowd <laughs> yeah, he, of NBA guys that are there. And that he night. sticks out like a sore thumb. Yeah, I mean he's seven foot five. Yeah, so Aaron wanted to bring Taco out, and he was going to jump over Taco Fall. And I don't care what anybody says, he jumped over Taco Fall. Yeah, he didn't push off. Nothing. He didn't push off. I know he kind of got caught. On his the back of his head or whatever, Aaron Gordon jumped over Taco Fall. I don't care what anybody says, but ultimately, yeah, this uh, the result was a bunch of BS. The judges gave him a forty-seven because he jumped a over forty-seven. You jump over a seven-foot-five guy, and you don't win the, the dunk contest. Unreal. Aaron Gordon got robbed. He had two times. No, okay. This is Hold this on. is twice. No, this is twice. He I didn't... love I love no. Zach Levine. No, I love Zach, Zach Levine. Le- Zach Levine won that dunk contest outright. He did it between the legs from the free throw line. I don't care if he did three free throw line dunks in a row. He did something different every time, and it was fucking unreal. And yeah, I know Aaron Gordon jumped over the fucking mascot on the hoverboard. He like took a seat in midair. That's the thing that had me on his dunk. I think he got robbed twice. I love Zach, but I'm sorry. I don't think he won that I one. Think, I think Zach Levine won the first one fair and square, but this time it is safe to say Aaron Gordon got robbed. He had five straight 50s. And then you're going to give him a 47. 
five straight 50s. Which this dunk was probably better than the one where he had over chance but didn't do between the legs, like you said. Yeah, honestly. Because You're jumping over a seven-footer. The, the degree of difficulty to jump over a 7-5 guy when you're already like 6-9, six, six, almost 6-10 six, probably, that's hard to do. Honestly, so once I once I saw the end result too, and then he had his uh, his like post you know activity speech. He said he's never going to compete in a dunk contest I, ever again. And I agree with him. You cheated. You got cheated out of it a couple times. In your opinion, why the hell would you go back? Yeah, and listen, the the reaction on social media was crazy. He he got robbed one hundred percent. John Morant already said he's never going to compete in a slam dunk contest because of the <laughs> because what of he saw. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he tweeted out. He was like, "Well." There goes that for me. Like I'm not doing that. See now, now, now you're gonna have like him. Now you're gonna have people who don't want to be in it. Next year we could have had Zion versus Jaw, and that would have been great because the small that would have dunk, been awesome. The small dunkers are always great to see. Well, like and they, Nate Robinson, they gave us somewhat of a preview of it in the Rising Stars, and I know I, we said that they missed all their dunks, but they were tr- they were doing some pretty crazy stuff. Well, we're never gonna see that. Maybe Zion, but not Jaw. Yeah, Jaw said he's not doing it. But see, I don't know if you remember, it was a couple, it was 2010, so more than a couple years ago. But I remember LeBron one time said he was going to be in the dunk contest and then never competed. Well, okay, so yeah, LeBron said that he was preliminary. The quote was, I'm preliminarily putting my hat, name in the yes. hat. When he had next... when he had on that yellow cardigan with yes. the sunglasses and he yes. was talking to Cheryl Miller. Yes. And he said, uh, he's like, put my name in the dunk contest for, for next, next year. year. Yeah, because he saw how great it was. He never did it, and it's something I will always hold against LeBron James. So maybe uh, Ja changes his mind, you know? LeBron said he was doing it, and then I, he didn't do it. I don't think so. I think LeBron was just doing that for show anyway. But I don't think Ja changes his mind. But did you see the whole like controversy after with um, Ramona Shelburne saying that Common told her that they thought it was going to be tied and it was going to go to a judge-off where the judges just got to say who they thought won and there were going to be no more dunks kind of thing. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't agree with this judging cast. Well, so apparently what it was was the judges supposedly agreed that it was going to be three tens and two nines. And then Dwayne Wade had a nine... Uh, Chadwick Bozeman? No, Common was sitting next to Dwayne. So Dwayne had a nine, Common had a ten, Chadwick Bozeman or Candace Parker had a ten, Chadwick Bozeman had a nine, and Scotty Pippen had a nine. Yeah, he's a harsh judge. Well, <laughs> I, mean, so, I mean, look at the dunks that he saw in his time. So looking at the the still photo of what the judges panel looked like with the nine, ten, ten, nine, nine. Everyone was like, oh, Dwayne Wade is the one that threw the dunk contest because you had a Heat player in the final. You had a Heat player win the skills competition earlier in the night. Now you have a Heat player. Isn't that a little bit of a controversy right there? Now you have a Heat player win the dunk contest in the same night with Dwayne Wade as the judge. Yep. So a lot of people were going after Dwayne Wade, but Dwayne Wade was like, hey, I wasn't the only person with a nine up there. But it is fair to bring that up that all these Heat players are winning, and he was one of the judges to advance the guy to win. Yeah, and ultimately he was, and then he won. Well, yeah, that last that last vote 
Also, for the judges. Well, so then Ja and other people who complained can blame Wade. A lot of people are blaming Dwayne Wade. I would too. So. Just because your teammates in there. Listen, this this dunk contest ultimately ended up being one of the best dunk contests we've seen probably in the so last yeah, 10, since 15 the, years. Uh, since the Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon one. Definitely, at least since that one. But, I mean, this tops... A lot of other dunk contests we've had in the last 10, 15, 20 years. Oh, yeah. So it was it was great to see the entertainment. It's a shame that it ended in controversy. But, I mean, listen, Derek Jones Jr. is a great dunker. But Aaron Gordon deserved that trophy. No, he most definitely did. That's why I was pissed after that, watching that. Yeah. So, all right, let's move on now to Sunday. The main event, Team LeBron versus Team Giannis. Team LeBron ends up winning 157-155. Did you see the the math numbers? Yeah. So basically, Team LeBron wins by two. One plus five plus seven plus one plus five plus five equals 24, 224. Kobe, Gianna, pretty crazy stuff. Yeah. It was announced, I believe, on Saturday in the afternoon or Sunday in the afternoon. I can't remember which day, but it was announced that ultimately the NBA was changing or naming the NBA All-Star Game MVP trophy after Kobe Bryant. It's now known as the NBA All-Star Game Kobe Bryant MVP award. My prediction ultimately before when we did the episode last week when we were previewing All-Star Weekend, I thought LeBron James was going to win All-Star Game MVP. It's quiet, yeah. Kawhi Leonard won the inaugural Kobe Bryant MVP award for Team LeBron. Kawhi had 30 points. He was 11 of 18 from the field, 8 of 14 from the three-point line. He made a lot of threes and watching his highlights too. Pretty sure he started out 5 for 5 from 3. Damn. He doesn't even shoot that many threes with the Clippers. <laughs> no, I mean, listen, Doc, Doc had to be wondering, like, where the hell, like, yeah, he probably like, don't get me wrong, Kawhi Leonard yeah. has been playing great this year when he's been out there, <laughs> but it's like, why are we load managing this guy? Exactly, and if you're Doc, you're, you're coming back because the season starts he's again like, Yo, uh, we tomorrow. Need, we need yeah. more of this. Where the hell is this? I'm going to show this to him in film. Yeah, but ultimately, I think... We talked about it last week where we were saying we were kind of skeptical of how the changes to the rules and the scoring and all of that were going to work out, but I think it could not have worked out any better. I really like the uh, the competitiveness towards the end. So it was it was pretty competitive throughout the whole game, but I wasn't on board at first when we talked about this initially about the the uh, the change in the last quarter because that was to me is kind of weird and then yeah. how they were able to win on a free throw which, like, I'll mention that later, but I thought it was super competitive in the fourth. Like, they were actually playing defense. Kyle Lowry, which is funny, he took a couple charges in the game. I've never seen a charge taken in an exactly. All-Star game that's, before. That's probably a stat, you know, on ESPN somewhere. But, like, that that to me was really cool to see. It's like at least the defensive intensity was there. People were, like, willing to score. Yeah, and uh, Mark Spears from ESPN, I think he put it perfectly in a couple tweets. He said, uh, quote, I was skeptical at first, especially about the new all-star format, but this is the first time I've seen a memorable hashtag NBA all-star game and dunk contest in the same weekend after going to 20 respect NBA got it right. And even the losing charity came away with a hundred K good problem. Then a second tweet. 
He said, quote, whoever decided to put the kids from the charity on the 100 level in the very expensive seats is brilliant and deserves a raise. Those kids screamed and yelled in success and yelled in motivation and struggle. How can players not play hard for kids in need when that was once them? Yeah. So, I mean, the competitiveness in this game was unlike any that I've seen in an all-star game before, especially in the fourth quarter. But ultimately, it was competitive throughout, for the most part yeah, throughout, throughout the, the game. entire game. It just it just got that much higher, though, in the fourth. Yeah, and Mark Spears uh, hit the nail right on the head, putting those kids from the charities, giving them access to those seats and being so close to the game, I think definitely helped intensify it for the players and made the players play harder. Yeah. Because it gave them some motivation to see those kids there. And that experience those kids got is once in a lifetime. And they're always going to remember that for the rest of their lives. And the losing charity still came away with 100K. And I know uh, Team Giannis uh, and Giannis himself said that they were going to pledge more money to to that charity anyway, even Mm -hmm. though they lost. And ultimately, like we said, for the rule breakdown, it was three mini games the first three quarters and then... The fourth quarter, no time. So Team LeBron won first court, won the first quarter. Team Giannis won the second quarter. And then it ended up being a tie in the third quarter. And then going into the fourth, Team Giannis was actually up 133 to 124. So that target score was 157 added, after you add that 24 to the 133. And like we said, no clock in the fourth quarter. That fourth quarter ended up taking about a total of 42 minutes. Jeez. Which, it's a long time, but it was amazing to watch. Yeah, because now you're just adding more basketball. Yeah. Yeah, it's more content, which is, which is great. It was some good, hard-nosed, intense basketball. It felt like a playoff game. It felt like an NBA Finals game, but with all-stars. See, I heard a lot of people say that, too, that this felt like exactly like a playoff NBA Finals game, which is really cool to see. Because, honestly, I can't remember the last All-Star game that was this competitive since, I think, in my opinion, since, like, 2001. Yeah. No, that 2001 game was very competitive. Very competitive, yeah. And you had a lot of those guys are Hall of Famers, most of them. Yeah. But I haven't seen anything like that in, man, God knows how long. Yeah, and then Anthony Davis ends up winning the game for Team LeBron on a free throw. Yeah, that, that, that's the only part to me that was a little bit odd because nah. it's like, yeah, I don't know. Anybody complaining about it ending on a free throw needs to stop. The rules were changed to honor Kobe. That's just weird. No, no. I, listen, I, I know, listen. They, I know it, was, it was changed to honor Kobe, but it's just weird to win the game on a free throw. Yeah, it's weird to win a game on a free throw, but it had nothing, like, it had nothing in the rule changes about ending on a free throw or you can't end on a free throw. And they listen, should have thought about that, though. Hey, they changed the rules to honor Kobe. And listen, Kobe's first points of his career, last points of his career, last points of the 81 game, and then the two points after the Achilles injury were all free throws. So AD winning on a free throw, the game was changed to honor Kobe. Yeah, I mean, I'm totally, I'm totally fine with the game ending on a free throw. Well, that's because Team LeBron won, and that was the team that you chose, right? Well, it had yeah, the most. It had the most Lakers on it. Yeah, well, yeah, you went with Team LeBron, which I went with them too. I didn't think Team Giannis was going to win. I'm totally cool with it ending on a free throw, and then the added aspect of it being AD hitting the free throw in his hometown of Chicago in the All Star game, that was pretty cool to see. But if LeBron would have hit that three from the logo when he, 
uh, his team had 154. See, that's how I want the game to end. That's how it could have ended, and I think that would have blown the roof off because he shot that thing from deep. See, again, I was hoping for a 10 like that, but ended on a free throw, which some people had uh, gripes about. I know you I know you like it. It's just weird. Maybe next year they'll pro- they probably will change something on that. I think they will make some tweaks yeah. to the rules. I'm honestly not sure if they're going to keep the same rules for next year. Maybe it was just a one-time thing for this all-star game yeah now i'm totally cool with them keeping it how they did it this year for next year i think there are some tweaks that need to be changed like i know some people even were asking on twitter oh is it win by two like that's yeah that's a park game well hey they yeah. wanted to make it the ultimate pickup game which that's exactly what it is and it's supposed to be yeah and listen we all i think or at least a lot of us were under the assumption when the rules came out that, oh, whoever has the team that had the highest score who had their had the 24 added to their score because they're already up, it's going to be easier for them to win. Team Giannis was up and had the, the 24 added to their score, but Team LeBron ended up coming back and winning. Yeah, they, yeah, they still lost. So Even I, after all those uh, charges that Kyle Lowry took. Yeah. It still didn't get him the win. That was wild to me. Hey, probably, uh, shout out to, to Kyle Lowry. Then that was mine. That's my shout out for the show. <laughs> We're taking two charges. I know. I know damn well I wouldn't want to take a charge in an All Star game. No way. But honestly, though, I was kind of disappointed in LeBron and AD in the fact that they didn't try a little harder to go for MVP because, like, Team LeBron, sixteen time All Star, captain of the team, want like Laker wants to honor Kobe, AD. Being in his hometown in Chicago, also a Laker, also wanting to honor Kobe after the award gets named after Kobe. I was kind of disappointed they didn't go a little harder for it. But at the end of the day, I was cool with Kawhi winning because individually I do love Kawhi as a player and the way he plays the game. And I know how special it was to him to be the first recipient of the NBA All-Star Game Kobe Bryant MVP award, given the relationship he had with Kobe Bryant. And he had a funny story after the game with NBA on TNT where he talked about a conversation that him and Kobe had uh, talking about his uh, how many shots, like the most shots Kawhi's taken in a game. And we have that audio, Jacob, if you want to hit that. Uh, we were talking, and then he, he, he was competitive. He was like, uh, how, how many shots you shot in a game? I was like, what you mean? And I'm like, how many shots did Tim's have you shot? I'm like, my highest? He was like, yeah. I was like, I probably shot about like 19 times. Then he goes like, guess how many times I shot it? I'm like, how much? Like, I shot I shot it 47 times. I was like, all right. <laughs> 47 <laughs> times. That has, he did not care. <laughs> no, I mean, that was either the 81-point game or oh, the 60-point yeah. game. No, he shot 50. He yeah, took 50 he, shots in the the 60-point game in his last game. His percentage for the, for his last game was bad because he just hoisted up so many shots, but he did end up with 60 initially. It wasn't. It was like 24 or 50. It was almost 50%. 23, 24, 50. But he did put up, what, 50 or 40 shots for that game? 47 shots was the 81-point game, I believe. Yeah, he was, mo- then, he was more efficient in that game. Yeah, and then the 60-point game, he put up 50 shots. Yeah. He put up 60 on 50. Oh, he was also, what, 38 at the time when he was putting up the 60 yeah. points. And then uh, we also found another clip just to kind of give you an idea of the relationship Kawhi had with Kobe Bryant. Uh, Kawhi, I believe this is from 
January 29th. It was like three days after uh, Kobe had passed. And I believe these were Kawhi's first public comments on Kobe. And he talks about how Kobe Bryant was one of the first people he called in the locker room after winning the NBA championship, after celebrating with his family, his friends, his teammates. Kobe was one of the first people he called, and that was the kind of relationship that Kawhi and Kobe had. With them, uh, lives in you and will continue, continue to live in you. Um, just a you know, competitive drive, uh, just wanting to do everything you can, going enough the court to be a better player. Um, I mean, there's so much, you know, it's hard to just think of, you know, the conversation we had together right now, just, you know, sum it up in, you know, a sentence. But, um, you know, just everything you did, you know, um, I'm a guy that, you know, talked to Kobe last year before the season and right after we won in the locker room, you know what I mean? Um, like I said, me and Phil Handy uh, worked out with him before I went to Toronto, before we left to Toronto. And he was the you know, first, probably the first or second guy we talked to other than our teammates and family after we won in the locker room. So, um, you know, uh, it just got, got, got motivation. Um, you know, I thought about him every game. You know, he was a sensible drive for me last year, just trying to get that championship. So, uh, also, uh, you heard him mention Phil Handy. Yeah. Phil Handy's a, an assistant coach currently for the Lakers. He was an assistant coach for the Raptors last year and worked very closely with Kawhi and skills and development. And Phil Handy was also actually a coach for the Lakers for a short period of time when Kobe was on the team. So Phil and Kobe had a very strong relationship. And just hearing that Kobe was one of the first people that they called after winning the NBA championship, that just says what Kobe meant to Kawhi. And so I thought it was I thought it was really cool and Kawhi definitely honored Kobe the best way he could yeah. in the All Star game. And and really the NBA did an incredible job uh with the tributes for Kobe Bryant and also David Stern, uh late uh commissioner mm-hmm. of the NBA who also passed away earlier this year. Uh it might have been towards the end of twenty nineteen. It was ni- uh, twenty nineteen, yeah. Um but yeah, so, I mean, there were great tributes all weekend long to both David Stern and Kobe Bryant. The NBA did a, a great job with that. But, yeah, like Mark Spears said, this was one of the more exciting All-Star weekends overall and like, uh, I really have seen. And I really hope it continues. Like, I don't want this just to be, you know, like – one you know one good one for a while and then you know next year was kind of bad or whatever i think they should honestly continue it tweaking it at first i i was pretty skeptical because i was like ah eh, the rule change no no timer on the last quarter that's a little weird but i think initially like when it was like all said and done and when we saw the game it was actually really cool to see the changes yeah i think competitive. It, i think with the way they had it all set up it could not have worked out any better yeah so all right let's move on now because there is the rest of the season to play as games start back up tomorrow on Thursday. Now, this is where it really gets good. This is the tail end of the yeah, NBA schedule. It's it's now or never for a lot of these teams, and a lot of these teams need to make that push, and they're not going to make that push without a, an addition or two. So the NBA buyout market 
a, a few names are off the board already, but a lot of names are still out there. Jacob, I know you have a list of some guys. Do you want to kind of do it how we did it last week with a yay or nay? Yeah. So first, I know the first three guys, they're off the list. Marvin Williams, he was bought out by the uh, the Hornets, and now he signed with the Bucks. So now Which is a good addition for them. It's another lengthy wing defender. Yeah, they can who, play him at three or the four. Either yeah, or. he can give them solid minutes off the bench when uh, Giannis or Chris Middleton needs a rest. Which they would probably use him to sub uh, to sub out uh, Ilyasova because Ilyasova is a big, but he can also stretch the floor. But Marvin Williams is a way better defender, especially one on one. He is thirty three, but I mean he can still shoot pretty decently. So I think it's a good addition for the Bucks with Marvin Williams going there. Now Reggie Jackson is another one. Uh, so he got bought out by the Pistons, and today he signed, or was it yesterday? I believe it was yesterday. It was yesterday he signed with the Clippers. So the Clippers now have a yet another addition to the bench. That's a big pickup for the Clippers. I think ultimately it was a move. They're still in an arms race with the Lakers, and the Lakers aren't doing anything. (laughs) Well, and that's ultimately, I think it was a move to keep Reggie Jackson away from the Lakers because they already have Lou Will. They already have Landry uh, Shamit. And then they have Patrick Beverly as well. So Reggie Jackson's a fourth point guard now. And listen, Reggie Jackson is not necessarily a facilitator first. He likes to score the ball. And there's only one basketball. And I think in crunch time, the Clippers would much rather have Reggie or would much rather have Lou Will and Patrick Beverly out there as their backcourt than Reggie Jackson. Than Reggie Jackson just based off of continuity and chemistry and length of service with the team and understanding the system. So I'm 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 not necessarily high on the pickup for the Clippers for Reggie Jackson, but I think ultimately it's I think ultimately it was a move to keep him away from the Lakers. I don't think necessarily they have long term plans for him because I'm I'm just not really sure where he fits into the rotation. He's like the same he's in the same position as um as the the Morris brother that, that they got too, Marcus Morris. Yeah. Because like you're saying, there is only one basketball and you already have your scores. You have Quide Leonard and you have Paul George. And, and then, Lou Will off and the Lou bench. Williams is doing that for you off the bench. You, where else are you gonna get touches from? Now if you're Morris, you have to learn how to play with less touches, which that's not something he did with New York. Right. Because he was one of the go to guys because look at that team. Let's be honest, it sucked. Now when you get Reggie Jackson, who that's that's the player he was in Detroit. That's the player who he was in Oklahoma. He was the one with the ball. Right. But now it's like now you're gonna be riding the bench. So I initially think, yeah, it was a move too to keep him away from the Lakers. Now the next person is obviously Darren Collison. He's not signing with anybody. He's right. staying. He's staying he's, retired. Yeah, he's staying retired. That's unfortunate because he probably would have been the best pick for the for the Lakers. Correct. Lanston Galloway is another one. Now he's still with the Pistons. Yeah. Oh, so uh, we're, we're just going to skip him? Okay. Yeah, I, he's not going to help, or he's definitely not going to help a championship contender. He is bigger for the Lakers uh, compared to Quinn Cook. I'm not. I'm not cutting anybody on this team for Langston Galloway. I'd rather swap him out for. Nope. Um, I'm, I'm not messing up this team's <laughs> chemistry. All right. Well, then and I. And it. I mean, it's. It's funny that he. We're talking about this so early. I thought it was going to come up a little bit later, but I've said this before. This is one of the closest 
Lakers teams in terms of chemistry and liking each other I have ever seen in my lifetime. So I think I think it's safe to say that one of the main reasons the Lakers have yet to make a move in the buyout market and at the trade deadline where they didn't make a move is because they're hesitant to mess up the chemistry that this team has. And I'm not messing up this this team's chemistry for Langston Galloway. Not even for Troy Daniels. No. Or Jared Dudley? No. Well, you, you may want to re- reconsider that come playoff time. Who's next so. on the list? All right, next person who's still with their team, and that's Evan Turner. He's still with the Timberwolves. I don't think he's going to end up getting bought out. So He's just going to suffer with the Timberwolves. Yeah, I think he's going to be a free agent after this year. So then he'll probably end up somewhere else. Right. So this guy's still with the Hornets, and that's Bismack Biombo, center. Which the Lakers do not need yeah, a center. That, yeah, no. So they, they, yeah, they would be really stupid to even go after him or think about it. Yeah, I don't think he is a target of the Lakers, but he's an interesting name for other teams. Yeah, that I mean, if the Hornets were to end up buying out Bismack Biombo, I think somebody that should go after him would maybe be the Houston Rockets who need a, a center big man because yeah, because they gave away all their big men. Yeah, now they're playing small ball. Speaking of the Rockets, too, they just signed veteran Jeff Green to, well, they, to a 10-day. Right. They only signed him to a 10-day. They're going to see how he fits and if it works. But, listen, I still think they need a center. That Yeah, that's so we, we talked about it earlier, how the traditional big man, it's kind of extinct in the NBA. But that doesn't mean that you can't have zero big man on your team. I think P.J. Tucker is playing the five right now. Yeah, and listen, they, that's ridic- they, were, that's able ridiculous. To, they were able to get that one victory over the, Lakers, the Lakers. over the Lakers on national TV, so a lot of people were talking about it. But I believe they lost their next two or three in a row after that. So Yeah, that small ball is not going to win them uh, games in the playoffs. No, I mean, James Harden's iso ball already wasn't winning them games in the playoffs. It was getting them past a couple rounds, but it wasn't resulting in championships. And playing with no center, even if it isn't, uh, even if it's a traditional center, I think right now isn't going to win you basketball games. If they couldn't get past the Warriors, who at that time they, if, if it was up to them, they wouldn't have a center. But they, at, the, at during their championship runs, they use like Zaza Pachulia, they had Javale McGee, exactly. So you have to have at least one good big man, a rim protector, a scorer, whatever they are. They have at least a seven footer, a six ten guy. Now the Rockets signed uh, somebody else, or they're going to sign somebody else, and that's Damari Carroll from the Spurs, which. Again, not a center. <laughs> they just keep getting more forward. And Damari Carroll, it, it's funny. I I think Damari Carroll and Jay Crowder play similar games in terms of style of play of basketball. They they do. They have a very like rugged style, junkyard dog kind of thing. Yeah. So I he's a good wing defender, good to to guard multiple positions. But he was part of those, those that that Raptors team when they were playing the. the um, was at the Cavs a lot when it was DeMar DeRozan and Kyle yeah. Lowry. So he's a gritty guy, but again, he's not a big man. He doesn't solve their big man issues. Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing is they need a big man. Uh, next person is Tyler Johnson, and he's he was uh, he's waived by the Suns, so he's he's available for anybody. He's out there, and I think ultimately he's towards the top of my list for guys the Lakers should go after. He's not at the very top. The very top for me still is Mo Harkless. Uh, who's with the Knicks. It's not been determined if he's going to be bought out. He hasn't asked 
to be bought out yet? He should. Otherwise, he's going to be playing with almost zero. I feel like it's going to be very limited. The that Knicks is, team. The problem is he's people. he's from New York, so he's home. He likes being in New York, but does he want to be? But a, at what cost, though? Right? Does he want to play for a contender? And if if you want to be eligible for a playoff team, you have to be bought out by the end of this month, or else you won't be eligible to be signed by a playoff team. Yeah, so his clock is ticking, so he better choose now. Yeah. I know if I was him, I wouldn't want to stay with New York, regardless if it was home. Yeah. So Mel Harkless is at the top of my list for the Lakers, but Tyler Johnson, I think, could he could be something. Would you, So would you replace him? Now, I'm only saying these, these names over and over again because those are the Lakers' first people to cut if they do get somebody. Right, because so ultim- ultimately there has to be a subtraction for an addition to exactly. occur. So would you get rid of... Um, uh, Daniels for Tyler Johnson. I would probably get rid of Troy Daniels for Tyler Johnson. Okay. So the next person on the list, it's Michael Kidd Gilchrist, but he got no. signed by the Mavs, so he's off the market. That's fine. John Henson, still with the Pistons. Uh, Trey Burke, he is available. Waived by the Sixers. Trey Burke is interesting. He has had his moments, but... He's had his moments, but like I said... Not I, the Trey Burke from Michigan. Right, I wouldn't cut anybody on the Lakers for Trey Burke right now. Yeah, I'd rather stick with the lineup that they have. Uh, Isaiah Thomas waived by the Clippers. Isaiah's an interesting one, man. Because you don't know if it could work or not. Exactly. Him and LeBron did not work in Cleveland. But he was hurt when he was in Cleveland. But uh, See, I just don't think that their playing styles match up correctly. Yeah, so I'm ultimately I don't LeBron's think... a distributor... Isaiah Thomas is a scorer, and you saw what he did in Boston when he was with them. Right. He needs the ball. He needs to be the guy, and I don't think he's the guy on this team. I would be cool with the Lakers going after Isaiah Thomas, but I don't think it will ultimately happen. Because if if you're getting him, right now what the Lakers need, they needed a distributing point guard who can play defense. That's why Darren Carlson was so key to them. And Isaiah Thomas' biggest liability is defense defense. because of his size. Which they have Rondo right now, and he he gives up defensive plays too. Rondo should not be seeing the floor right now. Exactly. So you're getting Isaiah Thomas, and you're you're basically lowering your defensive intensity just by getting in. The guy's, what, 5'9", 5'10". Right. Next person is... Tim Frazier, he was waived by the nope. Pistons. Nope. Yeah, that name doesn't Next. really. <laughs> Next. That doesn't bring up a lot of hoopla. <laughs> Alan Crabb from the Timberwolves. Oh, he's still with them, so he's not available. Dion Waiters. Dion's an interesting he, one. He was waived by the by the Grizzlies. Right. Not with them. And I know we talked last week, Dion Waiters versus J.R. Smith. Who would you rather have? That's a tough one. Yeah. I'm, I'd be okay with the Lakers taking a flyer on Dion Waiters. Over J.R. Smith. Either one is fine with me, honestly. There's something about Deion Waiters, though. Like, he's had his issues in the past, and I don't think he adds anything to that Laker team. I'm going to be completely honest. I don't think he, he adds, brings anything. He adds a confidence. He adds a swagger. But, see, you mentioned something about chemistry, and does that swagger and confidence come in and disrupt that chemistry on this Lakers team? That's a very good point. Same thing with J.R. Smith. It's a very good point. I would feel like J.R. Smith would be 
a safer bet only because he's played with LeBron and, and has won a championship with LeBron. So he exactly. knows how to take he knows how to turn that notch and take it to that next level. So whatever whatever scuffle that let's say they get into, you know, at the end of the game or whatever, and LeBron's jawing at him, he knows this is what it takes to win a title. Yeah, Whereas Deion Waiters, he's I don't think before. he has that. So if I was the Lakers, I would avoid well, Deion. Deion got a little stint in Cleveland during that uh, run to the finals uh, with LeBron, but I don't think he ever made it to the finals in Cleveland. I know he got a brief stint in there somewhere in that yeah. in that four-year period. But see, he's I just feel like he's a liability more than J.R. Smith, and that's got to be saying something. Yeah, definitely. No, that definitely says something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next person is Matthew Delvadova. Oh, he, oh, no, he's still with the Cavs. I take that back. So he's he, still with the Cavs. Nah. I know he was so part maybe, of the— Maybe they buy him out, but still, he's he's with them. And I don't, I don't need Delvadova. I don't need Delhi Over Troy Daniels? No. Jared Dudley? I'm not messing up this team's chemistry for oh. Delhi. <laughs> All right. Brandon Knight, he's still with the Pistons, but no, he could be bought out. No, no, no. Now, no. you're only saying that because of his previous mess-ups that he has, like, bloopers on YouTube? or I'm not messing up this team's chemistry for Brandon Knight. Well, other than that, the last person was going to be Mo Harkless or J.R. Smith, but we already mentioned both of them. So that list yeah. is only uh, – to me, it only seems like you would take one person. That would be Smith or no. So no. Smith and Mo- Waiters. Mo Harkless. Well, he's obviously the Lakers' first choice. So okay. He should be. So here's my list. I'd probably go Mo Harkless, Jay. Mo Harkless, Tyler Johnson, Jr. Oh, so Dion. you would? Oh, wait. So you would take Tyler Johnson over Jr. Smith and Dion Waiters? Mm. I I, I, I love take, Tyler Johnson's style of playing, I but would, I would not take him over Jr. Smith. Okay, so I'll, okay, I'll take. I'll take Tyler Johnson over Deion Waiters, but not J.R. Smith. So I'll go Mo Harkless, J.R. Oh, see, now that's a smarter move. Tyler Johnson, Deion Waiters. Yeah, regardless of what Waiters can do on offense, and yeah, you did mention the swagger, I just feel like he is a liability, and I'd rather have Tyler Johnson. All right, well, I mean, listen, like I said, if these guys want to be eligible for a playoff contender, come playoff time, they have to be bought out by the end of the month and signed. So we'll see... We'll see what happens. We'll see if the Lakers make a move. But like I said, it's going to be very interesting because I think they are very, very high on this team's chemistry and they do not want to mess it up. I'm telling you, you might want to reconsider that come playoff time. We'll see. Right now, the Clippers are stacking up their pieces against them. And again, you don't always want to look at the, the rosters on paper, but right now the Clippers do have a better roster on paper, and they have won the first two matchups. Another thing I just realized, actually, is Reggie Jackson, because you brought up the Clippers, that jogged my memory. Reggie Jackson's agent is Aaron Mintz. Aaron Mintz is also the agent for Paul George, Julius Randle, and D'Angelo Russell. He does not have a good relationship with the Lakers, so I'd... I don't even think Reggie Jackson even thought about the Lakers. So, who knows? But, all right, two more things before we get out of here. One, real quickly, John Beeline, former coach at the University of Michigan, now head coach this season of the Cleveland Cavaliers, is stepping down as the head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers. J.B. Bickerstaff is going to take over as the interim head coach. Beeline is going to take a different position within the organization in Cleveland. But 
I mean, the Cavs season has gone like this. They started out hot, but now they're last in the East. Kevin Love had all those outbursts uh, publicly on the bench with the media. Yeah, they've been pretty entertaining, but not basketball. <laughs> no. Then uh, Beeline called the team thugs in a film mm-hmm. session and tried to cover it up in where he said he meant to say slugs. <laughs> and players nice were... Nice try. Yeah, they were, they were PC about it to the media, and it kind of got swept under the rug. But with all this news of Beeline getting... or stepping down... Uh, it came out in a report from The Athletic that, according to some sources, some of the players thought it was an insult to their intelligence the way Beeline tried to cover up uh, the whole thugs-slugs mishap. And the team then started playing songs that included the word thug in it around him, including... Uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony's Thuggish Ruggish Bone. And I'm reading it right now. <laughs> Tupac's Thugs Mansion. And then in the same report from The Athletic, it said that Andre Drummond has told some teammates that in Cleveland, it's more dysfunctional in Cleveland than it is in Detroit. So that says a lot. Yeah, Detroit's hell to play in. Not, not just because of the team, but I just wouldn't want to be there well, in I, the city. I mean, and Andre's talking about the whole dysfunction in the front office. Yeah. So it's it's pretty crazy to see I, I will what's, say this, what's that, happening in Cleveland. That lineup that they chose is pretty good. I would listen to that lineup of Bone Thugs and Harmony. Oh, the music? <laughs> and Tupac. Oh, great choices. Yeah. Great choices. So they made they made good choices, at least on the music end. Yeah, but it's... But it, mean, no, but, but that team is dysfunctional right now. And it's even dysfunctional when they got him. When they got Drummond, we said it last week. What the hell were they doing getting a, a center? Well, and, I mean, we said it... Months ago, we think that the front office kind of sold Kevin Love, Tristan Thompson, and J.R. Smith kind of a lie two off-seasons ago when they signed those big deals to where it's like, all right, yeah, LeBron left, but we're going to rebuild around you guys and keep this championship core and try and do it all again without LeBron. And then they turn around and draft Colin Sexton, draft Darius Garland, two players that play the same position, but trade they really, for Andre Drummond. It's But they really don't have a plan, though, of who they're really yeah, building no, off that's of. That's exactly what I'm getting yeah, to. That's, that's where it's dysfunctional because, like, you're saying, yeah, they promised Kevin Love and J.R. Smith. J.R. Smith's no longer with them. Right. And and now it's just Kevin Love and you still and have Tristan, Tristan, Thompson. And Tristan Thompson. So you go out and you get uh, Andre Drummond. So I, I want to know what that lineup looks like of those three right there. Like, that, that already is a huge question mark. Well, Drummond's leaving for sure. Yeah, no, he's gone. He's going so, to go to at least a contender or a team that's going to pay him well and where he's going to be him. part of the rotation. But, yeah, that team, they don't know who they're building off of. That's their issue right now. Yeah. Because they don't know if they're going to trade Kevin Love or not, whether they're going to keep him. And, honestly, you can't build around some of these rookies. Like, I wouldn't build around Colin Sexton. He's. I don't think he's that guy you build around. I don't think he's in the right situation to see if he can even be that guy yet. I know it's dysfunctional, but right now you do have – Somewhat of leeway, you know, you have more leeway than you would on a different team. So he can show out right now if he really wanted to. But I just don't think that he is that guy that you build around. Yeah. So, I mean, listen, Beeline stepping down midseason, I don't think we saw that coming in his first year. It, when we look back to when he got hired, but with the way it's all gone, it's just been a train wreck from the start. Yeah, because I'm seeing right here, too, he signed a five-year deal initially. Mm-hmm. That's why when you told me this, 
I was like, I thought there was reports of him getting an extension on that and possibly keeping him. But I guess that went completely south. Yeah, I don't know where you saw those reports. That must have been a false report. Fake news. Yeah, fake news is out there. But, yeah, the the decision for them to part ways is, honestly, that just sums up the season for the Cavs. Yeah. Only only other dysfunctional team like like that's even worse is the Knicks. And you're up there with with them. Yeah, now, that with, says with a this lot. move. Yeah, you're up there with the Knicks now. So all right, I got a quick little game for you to close us out. Uh I saw this on Twitter. Uh I forgot to write down which Twitter account I saw this off of, but it was some NBA parody account, but I want to know which team you think is better. And I got Four teams of five, all mixed up of random superstars from the NBA. You might want to write this down so you can keep track of it. Now you got to make me work. (laughs) So, all right. Team number one, we got Damian Lillard, Clay Thompson, LeBron James, Pascal Siakam, and Joel Embiid. It's team one. Team two, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, Bam Adebayo, Nikola Jokic. It was Bam, yes, and then Jokic. Yes. Jeez, I feel like I'm back in school. <laughs> that's that's team two. Yeah. Team three: Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Carl Anthony Towns. You said there's four teams or five? Four. This is the last one. Thank God, there's not five. Team four. Steph Curry, Jimmy Butler, Paul George, Anthony Davis, Rudy Gobert. All right. Bear. Which of those four teams do you think is the best, Jacob Gonzalez? Oh, based off of skill set overall. All right. Yeah. Everybody's healthy. This these four teams gotta play some sort of like round robin tournament. Who comes out on top? All right, so I'm going to go from the from the bottom down. So center wise, I'm still going to choose an overall winner. But center wise, it's either between Cat and Embiid. Because I'm sorry, Jokic is good, but I don't think he brings what those guys bring. Okay. Overall, though, what about the Stifle Tower, two time reigning Defensive Player of the Year, Rudy Gobert? No, I, I'm a huge Gobert fan, but I wouldn't. Okay. I don't think. I don't think. Honestly, I think the weakest team is is four, so I'm going to eliminate eliminate them already. The weakest, you think the weakest team has Steph Curry, Jimmy Butler, Paul George, Anthony Davis, and Rudy Gobert on it? Okay, I take that back. Now, ooh, I don't know because the three looks. I thought three was bad, but then they have Giannis and Durant and Russell Westbrook. I know that's <laughs> yeah. This is uh, this is tough. All right. So first team, I'm going to okay. first team I'm going to eliminate already right now is two. That's final answer. Two's gone. Two is gone. Two so, is gone. That's Kyrie, James Harden, Quiet Leonard, Bam Adebayo, and Jokic. They're gone. They're gone. Okay. I've already See crossed them later. off this list. They're See you done. later. Now it's between three and four. Mm. Three and four are your final two? or No, no, no. So one of them right now I, I want to go with. Um, I'm just seeing which is the weaker one between three and four. Okay. All right, so I am going to take three. Three is, uh, so four is gone. Four is gone. Okay. So now it's between Steph, one and. Steph, Jimmy, PG, 
which AD, is which is tough because I really Gobert. like Steph and Outta I like here. Jimmy. Yeah, they're 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 gone. Sorry, sorry, Gobert. Now it's between one and three. Okay, so we got Damian Lillard, Clay Thompson, LeBron James, Pascal Siakam, Joel Embiid versus Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, who do you got? Now I'm going. Now I'm going number one. Team one? Exactly. Not even because it has LeBron on it. If this team were to swap LeBron and Durant, I would still choose one. This solely is because I feel like this team would mesh well together, and it has defense, size, and shooting. Uh, Yeah, no, not bad. Yeah, defensive-wise, Dame is probably the weakest defender out of all all five guys. Uh, but you do have I'd size. Honestly, mm, I'd probably say honestly, right now LeBron just because of his age. Okay, only because of his age. But he, in during times when he needs to lock up, he locks up. Yeah. So, but I will give you, Team One is much better defensively than Team Three because Russ and Bradley Beal on the defensive end, they don't really do too much. They can be liabilities. Carl Anthony Towns is also a liability on defense. KD and Giannis pretty solid on defense. Yeah, Giannis is fine. KD, a lot of people don't really um, they don't really pay attention to his defense. He doesn't get enough credit exactly, on his defense. Yeah, he doesn't. But he, what was it, the last year that he was with the Warriors? How many blocks did he have? He almost averaged two blocks a game. Exactly. So, yeah, that, that defense by him is fine. But I think team one, though, ideally, more size with Siakam. And, and Embiid, Embiid. And Embiid. And Embiid can stretch the floor. Cat kind of can now. but I would I, take Embiid over Cat. But, yeah, that's a huge no-brainer with, with Embiid. Uh, and then the shooting of Clay and Beal, if you're comparing shooting guards, I would much rather take Clay. Clay's the, Clay's the second best shooter of all time. Exactly. Now, Beal is probably a better offensive player. As far as one-on-one, he is. I mean, listen, one, Clay, one can, on, Clay one on one, one on one when he wants to. No, 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 he can. But one-on-one moves-wise, Beal, I think, is is better scorer. Clay would rather not dribble. Exactly. So, Clay could shoot all day if he if he really wanted to, and if but he the could. way the way Clay moves off the ball is incredible, and the, that's why he gets so open for the threes that he gets. Exactly, so that's why I would take him over Beal in this matchup. Damon Russ, you already know I love Dame. I, I have <laughs> a that thing, rivalry. I have a thing for Russ that I do not really care about. I know a lot of people love Russ, but I just think he overexerts himself on the offensive end. There's too many dribbles. And it's not efficient either because his teammate, James Harden, who I'm sorry, he got axed out on on team two. (laughs) But uh, James Harden takes a lot of dribbles, but he's a little bit more efficient with it. He gets to the line. He has ways for you to foul him. Russ is the complete opposite. All this energy, all this dribbling, but it really doesn't get him anywhere. So team one, winner, hands down. All right. Let me cross out three. (laughs) Oh, you're actually crossing it out on a piece of paper. yeah, exactly. (laughs) Making it official. So, all right, the winning team, Damian Lillard, Clay Thompson, LeBron James, Pascal Siakam, and Joel Embiid. So, all right, uh, who did you say your shout-out was? My shout-out was Kyle Lowry. He should have been on one of these lists. I know. It's, no, he should not have. Get <laughs> only, out of here. Only because he took the charges in the All-Star game. That's my shout-out. All right, well, I'm shouting out Dwayne Wade because the Heat are retiring his jersey this weekend. It is going to be a grand affair stretching the entire weekend. I'm really excited for the documentary to get released that – he has been working on because it's going to have footage from the days leading up to the decision in 2010 where Dwayne Wade says that LeBron went radio silent on him for four days until after his decision was announced and 
there's probably going to be so much other great footage in that documentary. So I'm really excited to get the chance to watch it however it gets released. Yeah, which is going to be cool too because, I mean, we saw like the the run that the Heatles had and, you know, the four years in the finals, but you never really saw like what happened behind the closed doors. Yeah, I'm pretty sure if I if I remember correctly – I think he had a camera crew following him for like 10 years and it's all this footage that's going to be in this documentary. So it's going to be, well, I know what I'm doing that weekend when it comes out. It's this weekend, man. Well, oh, well now I have plans. There, there you, you go. go. <laughs> See, I didn't have plans coming into this weekend. Thank you for giving me plans this weekend. It all comes full circle. Well, there you go. It all comes full circle. So with that, that don't call me up. Sunday. No, I won't. <laughs> With that, that wraps up this episode of the TSK Show. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you decide to listen to the TSK Show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow all of us as well at the Duke of Sports, at Tyler Pacholke, and at Jacob Double underscore Gonzalez. We appreciate you all so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode of the TSK Show. Peace.